0: Who is this captain, captivated by the Christ? So we're back in our uh, our nautical theme, and you may have noticed the new display out there. My mother-in-law turned sand into ocean waves and built a ship for us. And a few of your Christmas cards referred to me as a skipper or a captain, and I want to, over the next few weeks, um, convince you that that's not not quite right. I'm a second-rate, second-mate is the way I put it in a recent article we are going to now spend the epiphany season asking ourselves, who is this Captain Jesus? Who is this Emmanuel God among us? Who is this, as the crowds begin to say, who is this who teaches with such authority? Who is this who casts out demons with a word? Or as some of the religious leaders said, who is this that forgives sins as if he were God himself? Who is this Captain Jesus? So join me as we're captivated by the Christ over the next few weeks before Lent begins on Valentines. Call me Ishmael. Some of you English majors are having flashbacks and terrors as the first line of Moby Dick is uh, announced. Call me Ishmael. The story of Moby Dick is a much longer than it needed to be tale of a whale hunt. And in this story, Ishmael joins a ship. He's never been a part of a a ship life, let alone a whaling ship. And he learns everything none of us needed to know about whaling over the course of the book. But Ishmael begins to observe all these things, and as he gets on the ship, he meets everybody but the captain. He meets kind of the secondary captains. Peleg is one of them. He meets this guy named Quehog. I don't know the significance of that name, but it's interesting. But Ishmael meets all these subcaptains, mates, and other uh, other leaders on the ship, but Captain Ahab is nowhere to be seen. He's on the ship, but he's unseen, and his mystery builds over the first few days aboard the Pequod, the whaling ship. Who is this Ahab? What is he like? And he's described in some fascinating ways by some of his, you know, his first and second mates and others. Let me just give you a bit of a description here. This is uh, Captain Peleg describing the mysterious Captain Ahab. I don't know exactly what's the matter with him, but he keeps close inside the house. He's sort of sick, yet he doesn't look so. In fact, he ain't sick. But no, he isn't well, either. Anyhow, young man, he won't always see me, so I don't suppose he will thee. He's this queer man, Captain Ahab so some think, but a good one. Oh, thou will like him well enough, no fear, no fear. He's a grand, ungodly, godlike man, Captain Ahab. Doesn't speak much, but when he does speak, then you may well listen. Mark ye be forewarned, Ahab's above the common. Ahab's been in colleges, as well as among the cannibals. Been used to deeper wonders than the waves. Fixed his fiery lance in mightier stranger foes than whales. His lance, aye, the keenest and the surest that out of all our isle. Oh, he ain't Captain Bildad, no, and he ain't Captain Peleg. He's Ahab, boy. And Ahab of old, thou knowest, was a crowned king few more paragraphs, and then Ishmael walks away from that description of this mysterious captain. Ishmael says, as I walked away, I was full of thoughtfulness. What had been incidentally revealed to me of Captain Ahab filled me with a certain wild vagueness of painfulness concerning him. And somehow at the time, I felt a sympathy and a sorrow for him, but for I don't know what, unless it was the cruel loss of his leg. And yet I also felt a strange awe of him. But that sort of awe which I cannot at all describe was not exactly awe. I do not know what it was, but I felt it, and it did not disincline me toward him, though I felt impatience at what seemed like mystery in him, so imperfectly as he was known to me then. However, my thoughts were at length carried in other directions, so for the present, dark Ahab slipped my mind." I mean, you're 200 pages into this book before you ever see Captain Ahab on the page. And then he takes over the tale. More on Captain Ahab later, but I love that kind of gradual unveiling of the mystery of this captain. Captain Ahab lost his leg in a previous showdown with Moby Dick, the great white whale. And Ahab is out for blood. He's out for vengeance to the whale who took his leg. Who is this other captain? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus would also be described as grand and one who provokes sorrow and sympathy, but also one who's described by others as ungodly and described as still others as God-like. Jesus produces strange awe, but not exactly awe in others. They're not disinclined toward him, but they've kind of had enough of some of the mysterious edges of Jesus' words and actions. Who is this captain? Trying to size him up. And it all started, like I told my young friends, it all started at the baptism in the River Jordan with John the Baptist, his cousin or relative of some variety. This would be the captain's commissioning. When Jesus is baptized, three things take place that become signs or epiphanies of who this is among us. The first sign is the heavenly skies are torn open. It's a great word. It's like schizo, like schizophrenic, like a, a mind torn in two. But it's schizomy. It's the skies are torn in two. It's a violent image. The skies are torn open, which definitely draws the attention. If you're on a ship, the change in the sky, a change in the weather is always dramatic. And if you're at the River Jordan... It's equally dramatic. The first sign is the heavenly skies tearing open. The second sign in this commissioning is a heavenly gift as the Spirit descends like a dove onto Jesus, into Jesus, in the form of a dove which evokes that first creation, as we heard in Genesis chapter 1, read beautifully in our South African accent by Leslie, if you were wondering where, where the accent came from. As the Spirit brooded over the waters, as it were uh, like a dove in the waters of creation in the beginning, so now in the waters of Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descends over the waters and anoints Jesus with the presence of God. And the third sign is a heavenly voice. From the torn open skies and as the dove has descended into Jesus, a voice from heaven says, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. The Father speaks to the Son in giving Him the Holy Spirit. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit given from the Father to the Son in His baptism that Jesus now will carry out His ministry. His ministry and His life given into death and His resurrection all accomplished through the Holy Spirit moving through him. More on that to come. The next two parts of kind of introducing the captain, they're coming in future Sundays, but I wanted to put them on the sermon handout today and just briefly refer to them. The the next piece is the captain's coaching. That would be Jesus immediately driven by this spirit. This epiphany of torn open skies, a dove, and a voice, now immediately that spirit drives Jesus into coaching or testing in the wilderness for 40 days tempted by satan and the wild beasts were with jesus and the angels ministered to him and in over those 40 days by the sustaining power of the spirit and the angels and the word of god by which he combats the devil's lies jesus is receiving the coaching of his father and he is faithful in the wilderness where Israel had not been. And then the next part after that, Mark tells us about the commencement of the captain's ministry. The captain's commencement, when Jesus returns after 40 days and says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And after commissioning, uh, commencing his ministry, he then carries out all of these signs and wonders and teachings at which the crowd says, who is this? This captain, this rabbi, this miracle worker, who is this? More on the coaching and the commencement in future Sundays. Now, thinking about Captain Ahab and Captain Jesus, obviously we're going to parallel these, but they're quite different uh, figures in the end. They both kind of come on the scene with equal mystery. And they're both captivating. People are drawn to Captain Ahab. They both trust him and his quest and his knowledge but they also kind of fear where captain ahab will take them you know captain ahab never said pick up your cross and follow me but he said and did things that made it clear to the ship that this man is going to catch his white whale or die trying captain ahab was fueled by rage at what he lost he lost a leg and he was fueled by rage at the whale who took his leg, and even more, took his pride in defeating him once. And fueled by rage, Ahab led his entire ship to its demise. Sorry to spoil a 200-year-old novel, but in the end, Ahab is attached by the harpoon rope, to, the whale becomes attached to the ship, And Ahab and the ship just go down into the waters with a dying whale. And the whale creates like this uh, swirling eddy um, and just spirals them all beneath the sea. It's kind of like the creation of Genesis coming undone. And in the end, it's just bubbles on the surface. The whale's been defeated and Ahab killed his whole crew in the effort. And Ishmael happened to be floating elsewhere and observing the whole thing and he alone lived. To tell the tale. Now, our captain Jesus will get more than his feet wet as the gospel unfolds. He'll do more than get wet in a river, Jordan. He will himself go down with the ship, but unlike Ahab, he won't take anyone down with him but sin and death, the devil's power. Jesus goes down with the ship, he goes down with our whale of a sin, and he does it fueled not by rage at what he's lost by becoming human, but he's fueled out of great love and mercy at what he's gained by taking on humanity, identifying himself with you and me. Fueled by love and mercy, by what he's taken on in the Holy Spirit at his baptism, to now power his ministry all the way to the cross and on the third day to the Holy Spirit raising him from the dead to the glory of the Father. Those three epiphanies at the River Jordan, the tearing open of the skies, the dove descending and the voice naming him son are revisited at the end of Mark's gospel. The only other time that word tearing open, schizo, is used in Mark's gospel is as Jesus dies, the veil in the temple curtain was torn in two. It was schizoed. The first tearing open brought heaven's power and blessing to Jesus in the river. The second tearing open released the presence of God for all peoples breaking down every barrier of sin between us and our maker. The spirit comes back at the cross as well, not by a dove descending onto Jesus, but now as Jesus is said to have breathed his last, that word is to ek or ex spirit. He uh, he spirits out before his death. His last breath was now the surrendering of the Holy Spirit given to him at the baptism. Without the Spirit, there's no life, and Jesus died. And then the sonship that was declared from the heavenly voice at the River Jordan, it's a new voice speaking not from the heavens, but from the earth. One of the people who were responsible for hanging him on the cross, the centurion soldier who announces at the cross, Surely this man was the Son of God. The cross is the completion of the baptism that began in the River Jordan. Nobody could walk away from the cross or from the river or from any encounter with Jesus feeling neutral about this captain. He He can mean nothing to you or everything to you, but he can't be mildly interesting. If he's only mildly of interest, keep reading, keep listening, keep taking it in. But this captain has come to deal with that white whale on our behalf. This captain has come fueled by love so that what is mysterious, we surrender that to God. But what is made clear is that he invites you to these waters or to live in these waters in which you had been already baptized, to know that you are a dearly loved child of God. End of story. That's the white whale. Jesus has accomplished this for us. This is the captain we have. And over the next few Sundays, let's continue to be struck by this grand Seemingly ungodly, and yet God in the flesh, Emmanuel, Captain Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, surprise us this season with who you are. We're so familiar with nativity scenes and Christmas carols. We're perhaps less familiar with your words and actions and what you would have for us. So we ask for your spirit to also come on us and to anoint us with your wisdom and your strength for our own ministry. Bless us as we offer our own prayers and lives for your purposes here and in your world. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a quick activity for you. Your bulletin says pause for reflection.